That's great. It's good to be with you in Calgary. And last night we landed in the airport, and as we came out of the plane, we felt this cold. So it's like Siberia. First time we're in Calgary in the winter, and it's wonderful. So, yeah, on the way to the airport in Novokuznetsk, as we flew out on this trip, we're driving, and our thermometer in the car is going down lower and lower, and then it hits minus 40 and tries to go lower and lower, and it goes blank. It was going to go a little bit lower. But uh, thank you so much for having us. This is my wife, Janet. She's going to uh, say a few words to greet you, and, and then I'll come up on after that. Okay. Good morning. It is such an honor and a blessing to be with you here. We just love your church. We love your pastor and his wife. And we feel such unity in spirit because you have such an emphasis on prayer and our church does that also in Russia. We, have, we really love to get together and pray. And your emphasis also in this church is on missions. And those two go hand in hand. Because the closer we get to the Lord in prayer, we can't get closer to him without feeling the heart of Jesus. And God's heart is in souls. It's in missions. It's in reaching the lost. And so we just love your church and our desire is that you would come someday, maybe even with your pastor, maybe in May, to Siberia on a mission trip. We have a little joke. We say, Siberia is the coolest place on earth. <laughs> so we welcome you to come. And never feel, oh, it's, I'm not qualified. Well, what can I do? I just encourage you to, you know, honestly, we're never qualified. Really? God doesn't need our ability. He needs our availability. And when we just say, Jesus, here I am. Send me. Use me. Take these little loaves and fishes, fish that I could give to you. Just use it to multiply multitudes. God hears that prayer, and he'll use us anywhere. He'll use you right here in, in, in Calgary, but he, I believe he wants to send you to the ends of the earth. And just all he wants you to do is just say, here I am. It says in, I just want to read one verse to you. It says in John, John 12, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And missions is dying, dying to self. It's, and every time you sacrifice and you say, you just think of Jesus. We sang that beautiful worship song at the end, how he died, how he gave everything out of love for us. And missions is just saying, Jesus, I take this. This is what I can do for you. Let me die to myself so that others will come to know you. And this was my heart's prayer. When I came to the Lord, I didn't come from a Christian family. I, came, I was saved when I was 16. And very soon after I was saved, I started to pray, God, you gave everything for me. Jesus, I'll do anything for you, Lord. If you, I'll, I'm willing to die for you if you want. But Jesus didn't call us to do that. He calls us to die to ourselves. And so with every sacrifice, when we went to the mission field, I just said, Jesus, this is for you. This is for you, Lord. You gave it for me. I give this back to you. 
And um, we just thank God that what he does, because it's nothing in us. We can't do anything. It's Jesus that saves lives. It's Jesus that changes uh, souls, and it's all about him. And we just want to introduce you to a few, a few people from our church. This is, these are typical people. This is, an, is not an exceptional group. Um, we could make many more videos, and I'm sure you have stories like this in your church as well. So when you watch this little short video, in the corner we'll show the different ministries that these people are involved in. And we just welcome you to, to come either to Siberia or any mission trip that your church goes on. Just pray about it and say, yes, Lord, I'll go. And God will take your, your life and use it for others. Thank you for having us. Ten years I was dying from heroin. But Jesus found me and saved me. Thank you for your prayers. I was sentenced four times to prison for a total of 10 years. Almost whole life I was using drugs. At the age of 28, the Lord touched me and healed me. I'm so grateful to God for his wonderful salvation. I was a criminal and a murderer, but the Lord touched me and healed me. All praise to Jesus Christ. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for your prayers. For nine years, I was using drugs. Because of this, I ended up living in the gutters. In 2002, I was set free by the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm grateful to everyone who prays for the challenge. Praise the Lord. I'm a former addict, and I shut out drugs for 18 years. I'm alive only because of the grace of God. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for your prayers and support. For 20 years, I was an alcoholic, but the Lord came into my life. For 17 years, I'm now living with that alcohol and with the Lord. For seven and a half years, I shot Aaron. And God came into my life and set me free. Thank you for your prayers. I used drugs for five years. And the Lord saved me. I thank Him for this. And I want to thank you for your prayers and support. Before I was involved in the alcohol. But I have stopped practicing this because three years ago my friend invited me to church and now I'm a believer. Thank you for your prayers. In 2007 I understood what it meant to be free from drug addiction. I understood the great name of Jesus Christ. I spent 22 years in the prison camp. I had no joy until I came to church to God. Now that I came to God, it totally changed me and I enjoyed it. It was a period of my life where I didn't want to live, but Jesus gave me hope and helped me. I praise Him for this. Thank you so much for your prayers. I thank God for you. Before I was the head doctor at the gynecology clinic, when I believed in my life, in my work, and my family, there were miracles and changes. Most importantly, my clinic stopped doing abortions. Before, we had a thousand abortions each year. From the age of 14, I started using drugs. For seven years, I was addicted to heroin and spent time in prison. God set me free and did a miracle. He gave me a wonderful family. I'm grateful for your prayers. Thank you, Lord. I spent 16 years in prison. And the Lord set me free from drugs. And I'm so grateful for your prayers. Thank you. For 10 years, I was using drugs. And 
my life was broken. But when I met Jesus Christ, my life changed. God not only healed me, but called me to be a missionary. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your prayers. I was addicted to heroin for 15 years. And I spent eight years in prison for violent crimes. God set me free and gave me a new family, my daughter and a wife. Yes, this is, this is a story that Jesus is worthy of such glory. He changed lives, changed people. And uh, we want to thank you for partnering with our ministry in Siberia. Your church has supported our church planters that went out to Volgograd, uh, Denis and Ole Bushmanovi. Uh, Ole's mom is the gynecologist on the video. Uh, so thank you so much for supporting them. And, and thank you for supporting your pastor and the team that's going out uh, to help us with our church planters conference this coming May. Uh, thank you for giving to the missions because, you know, you are a missional worldwide church and you are affecting what's happening not only in Calgary but around the globe. And uh, I told your pastor, when you go to Siberia, it's not quite the ends of the earth, but you could see it from there. Because <laughs> we joke that, uh, you know, from Toronto to Novokuznetsk, it's exactly 12 hours time difference. And uh, if you start going further east of Novokuznetsk, you'll be coming back. You know, it's like around the globe. So uh, <clears throat> we want to uh, share with you our story. Uh, I grew up in the Soviet Union, and then my family moved to Canada in 1989. But as soon as I became a Canadian citizen, my wife and I, we just took our first-born uh, uh, baby. He was one-year-old, and we moved back to my hometown where I was born and where I grew up, and it was 25 years ago. So uh, I would like to just uh, share a, a quick uh, PowerPoint slide presentation and talk about the pictures, and then I want to encourage you uh, from the Word of God. If we could just uh, quickly go through the pictures, this, if we could skip the first one, yeah, evangelism before. Uh, see, we're doing evangelism. We're all into reaching out for souls, and we do it on the streets. We do it in every form uh, or shape. And the Russian people are very, very open to the gospel. When they hear the truth, they respond. Our children every summer would gather uh, kids who are playing in the square right by our apartment building. They would play games with them, and then they would have... Uh, they would take them to the grass and have kids' church on the grass. They would set up a flannelograph board and show them, uh, uh, share the story from the Bible and pray right there with the children. And everything uh, is going very well. People can pray with you right there on the street uh, as you share the gospel with them. For example, our son, our youngest son, he's 19 today, but he would come home very often and said, Dad, Mom, I just pray with two people. I said, did you? On the street? He said, yeah, I just tell them the gospel. And when they uh, said that they would like to receive it, I said, let's pray right now. And they say, you mean here on the street? He said, yeah, you have a chance right now. Let's do it. And people will pray with him on the street. So, but the only problem is with our 
context over there. As soon as you tell them about the church, and as soon as you tell them, you know, to come into a church service, Russian people become afraid because we're not Russian Orthodox. Russian Orthodox is a religious um, kind of ritualistic uh, service similar to Catholic Church, and we don't put them down. We just tell them if they want to know the truth and want to grow, they need to study the Bible and have fellowship with other believers. But Russian people are afraid. And so what we decided to do, we start renting uh, like a small room and have a kids club. This is a kids club. All these kids are not saved. But we invite them and we play games with them. And then we teach them English. Uh, We give them lunch. And uh, after all of that, after the games and lunch and English, then we have a serious part. They sit around. And we share the story from the Bible. We pull out a guitar and sing a song or two. Now the parents of these kids don't mind that the kids go to the club. But as soon as they start going to church, parents get afraid. See, Russian culture is uh, very oppressive. uh, And it's, of course, cultural. And the Orthodox Church has instilled so much guilt into people. For example... If you ask a Russian person if they believe in heaven and hell, they say, yes, they do. They believe in God. They believe that after death, you know, people go either to hell or to heaven. And Janet uh, and, the, and the youth would, were doing evangelism like in the summer almost every day. And as they would ask people questions, where do you think you'll go after your life is over? Most people, like 95% of the Russians say to hell. And then they ask, why? Well, because of many sins, they say. So this culture is very guilt-ridden. If you compare it with the Canadian culture, my daughter did the same survey in Orangeville, Ontario for a couple of years as she was studying there. Most Canadians say they'll go to heaven. You know, because they feel good about themselves and about God. So... But when we invite them to church, all of a sudden the fear goes up. And, and even the guilt. They actually feel that they might even betray their faith if they go to the evangelical church. Or like we're Pentecostal, of course. And, and so they feel threatened. So, yeah, let's go on with a slideshow, please. <clears throat> uh, we do a lot of sports outreaches. Organize uh, with children. This is floorball. Uh, it's done on, right on the pavement with plastics, uh, plastic uh, ball and, and, and sticks. You Canadians won't like it because you're into hockey, of course. <laughs> but uh, we do that with the kids. They love it. The soccer. Uh, and all of these kids that you see, they, these are orphans. These are orphanage, uh, kids from the orphanage. And we gather them around. We do sports. We do games. Again, we do a, a serious talk, and even uh, most of these children have someone from the church discipling them. But again, the authorities don't like if we invite them to church. The administration of the orphanage are uh, scared if the kids go to a church building, to a church service. So <clears throat> we, we prayed and we fasted and we asked God, what do we do? Because we want to reach the whole city. Our desire is to reach people 
just as Jesus outlined in the parable of the sheep and goats. Jesus said, you came to me in prison. You came to me in the hospital. You came to me on the streets when I was hungry and dying and naked. And you helped me. So we noticed as we reach out to one drug addict, we can then reach the whole family. We noticed as we reach one alcoholic, then we can touch his family too. And the church keeps on growing. In 25 years, we've never seen a great revival like we read about um, in great revivals. But we've had two baptismal services a year. 50 to 70 people get baptized each year and added to the church. Yes, thank God. And, And that's happening for 25 years. And if other pastors ask me, explain the church growth. I cannot explain. I don't know how it grows. I know that we pray a lot. I know that we do evangelism a lot. We do discipleship, and it keeps on growing. And the building that we have, you saw the, one of the services uh, uh, Greg Swinemer was at. Um, it seats only 400, and now we have four services, one Saturday night and three on Sunday. And we're praying, God, what can we do? How can we reach the whole city? How can we, uh, we can either grow in one building, add more services, or we can branch out to different sections of the city and not call it a church, but call it a community center where kids can come and play games It's an open space, and then we can pull out chairs on Sunday, and the church can come, and the church can actually rent that place, that community center, and have services there. And so uh, then the parents and the adults uh, will be able to come in, and they don't come into the church, they come into the community center. And before, in in 1990s, when we started our church, we were kicked out of every place that we rented. We rented school auditoriums and movie theaters. And as soon as the city administration would find out that we we're meeting someplace, the mayor's office would call and we would be evicted on the street. And there were no other buildings to rent. So months at a time, our church actually had no building to meet, but we never had to cancel the service. People gathered on the streets where we announced we're going to meet at that, such and such a square. People gathered there, whether it was snowing or raining that day, never had to cancel a service. 25 years later, there are lots of buildings and actually lots of empty buildings like this one. It's located right in the area where we live, right where we started the church 25 years ago. But then God gave us a building in a different part of the city and People from this section travel by bus one hour one way to come to church. And God has given us the desire to reach the whole city. Our city has five sections. And so we'd like to have a community center in each section and reach the children, reach the young adults by providing sports activities, by providing family counseling, counseling for the addicted, even having a a family crisis center for pregnant women that are deciding whether to have a baby or do abortion. So we, we have this vision, and, and God is leading us to break out into different sections. 
And as we do that, we, we just ask for prayer that God will lead us each step of the way, that God will provide. And I know that God will provide and God will give us souls. And I want to share with you, we're so excited when we heard that your church has a prayer meeting. This is already so rare in Canada. We go to many churches and they do have a wonderful Sunday service. A lot of people gathered, but prayer meetings are very rare. And I want to encourage you, just support the pastor and follow him as a good church with a good leader and pray. Because I believe the reason the church today has such little influence in the world is because of the lack of prayer. I believe the church lost desire to pray and don't doesn't know how to pray so and the best way to learn to pray is to stop praying that's how we tell our church people they don't know how to pray so just come to the prayer meeting and you'll learn and i want to encourage you from the scriptures just as you come together in luke 11 jesus teaches his disciples to pray and you all know the lord's prayer Many of you learned it by heart from Sunday school or later in life. I grew up praying that prayer in the family and in the church. But as I meditated on that teaching that Jesus gave, Jesus actually then, after that, he gives two parables that actually, I believe those two parables are are commentaries, what he meant when he taught the disciples to pray. And you all well know that Jesus said, first, as you pray, put your father's business first. Put it first in your life in the prayer. Worship him and then call that his name would be exalted. His kingdom would come and his will be done. And then ask for your own things. Give us this day our daily bread and so on and so forth. And then he comes to those parables. And I believe the first parable right after that, verses 5 through 10. Jesus is teaching his church, his disciples, intercessory prayer. Let's read this parable. Luke 11, verses 5 through 10. Uh, If you have your Bible, please open that passage of scripture. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me two, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, Though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence. That's the word I want to underline and focus on when we pray. Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will, it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, in that parable, I believe Jesus is telling us that he is our friend in heaven. He is not only our friend in heaven, he is the bread of life. And we need to be connected with him constantly. 
But also he is telling us that we need to have friends. We need, we need to have relationships with our co-workers, our neighbors, our friends from school who don't know him. Because at the darkest hour, at midnight, they will come to us for bread. They will come to us and ask. And Jesus is making very clear, making it very clear here that we of ourselves have nothing to give. We don't know how to save a life. We don't know how to set anybody free. We only can intercede before the friend who is in heaven, who is the bread of life. And Jesus actually is making it, he's not the friend who doesn't want to get up and give and we have to beg him. No, but in another passage, one time he teaches on prayer and he says we need to pray and wait. and We need to be persistent because when he comes, will he find faith on the earth? The faith that will ask until it receives. The faith that will... Uh, seek until it finds the faith that will knock until the doors are opened. So Jesus is very, very clear here about the church having friendship, friend, friendly relationships with the unsaved and with the friend in heaven who has lots of bread, who is the bread of life himself. And so I would encourage you to keep praying for your lost friends, your lost relatives, your city. Pray for the world. And I want to conclude with a story from Russia, from our ministry. After six years in the beginning of our ministry, we moved 11 times, never by choice. And then finally we bought the building. We bought the building at the auction. The government sold us this beautiful building right in the center of the city, three stories high. I thought to myself, why do we need such a great building, such a huge one? But the Lord encouraged us to go in faith and get that. At that time, the church was only 200 people. And uh, so we, we bought the building, and I was surprised that nobody wanted it. It was on sale for over a year, and nobody, and the price was very low. It was the auction. See, the government wanted to pay the workers who filed a lawsuit against their director who did not pay them for two and a half years their salaries. He would say, I'm broke. I don't have the money. So the government seized this property, put it in the auction, but nobody wanted to buy it. Well, we, we found out later why. Because when we bought it, we couldn't get in. He would not give us the key. He would mock me and say, on the way out, throw your papers in the trash can. I'm the owner. Here are my papers. And I'll be like, for four months, we would write letters, we would talk, make phone calls, nothing changed. So finally, we went to a highest official, highest court official in our region, and he tells me, well, you know, you live in Russia? I said, yes, I do. He said, in Russia, you need to show force to be respected. I said, sir, I'm the pastor. I preach the word of God. He says, well, I don't mean anything illegal. He said... What you need to do is stop asking this man for the key. You are the owner. Why don't you just prepare a new door, come with the truck and rip that door out and install your new door and the keys in your hand. That's how you show force. I said, how brilliant, how genius. Thank you very much. I shook his hand and he says, make sure though, one advice, make sure you hire the police for your protection. This is very dangerous. 
Well, we didn't have any other ch- any other thing to do, so we tried everything else before. We did exactly like the men of authority told us. The next day, this man approaches me and he says, Mr. Bansif, I've got to see you. Come to my office. We need to talk. I'm inviting you for coffee. I thought, oh, wow. There's the respect already. He doesn't tell me, throw your papers out, come to my office for coffee. So I came and he says to me, look, I have a problem. If you would have come to me before you paid the money for the building, we would have found a middle ground. You would be happy and I would be happy. But now that you bought my building, I'm not happy. See, because the money that we gave went to pay the salaries for the workers for, that missed their salaries for two and a half years. But the taxes and the pension, uh, you know, pension fund had to come out of his pocket. And so he wasn't happy. And I'm thinking, and he says to me, now I have a problem. I'm praying under my breath. I'm thinking, God, what do I say to this guy? I don't want to have problems with him. And the Lord gave me, I thought, uh, a good answer. I, I told him, look, we never meant to offend you. I'm preaching the gospel in the city. We needed a building. We saw an ad in the paper. If there, were, if there was in small print your phone number, and it said, call this number before you buy it, or if somebody informed me that I need to come and talk to you, I would have come. I did not know. And that softened his heart. And he says, all right, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I have money, I have good connections, and I have good lawyers. I'm going to see you in court, and I'll take this building from you in court. I sighed with relief. Oh, praise God. And I shook his hand, and I said, you know what? Go ahead and do that, but we're going to be praying to God, and He will decide who this building will belong to. He laughed at me, and I laughed back at him, and I left his office. So he began a court case for six years. And every time there was a court hearing, we would get a prayer meeting and a three-day fast. The whole church fasted and prayed. We got together and prayed. And we would win. And he would go to a higher level. And he would win there. And it was, it was back in the first place. We would win in the first court. And he would win the second court. It was back and forth, back and forth. He would bribe. And finally, through his dealings and bribes, we lost in the first uh, level. And then we lost in the second and the third. And then we lost. Our papers were canceled. We were still meeting in the building that we bought, but it was no longer ours because we, I was afraid that we would get kicked out. And, but we appealed to the Supreme Court in Moscow. The authorities of our city were sympathetic and said, Sorry, Pastor, we, we sympathize with you. You lost. The Supreme Court is most corrupt. There's no way you can win there. And I remember one Saturday afternoon as I was preparing for a message and I'm praying, and the fear gripped my heart. I didn't know what I'm going to say to the church because before I would encourage everybody and I would say, let's pray, let's fast, let's believe. But this time we lost. And we as a losing party now appealing to the Supreme Court in Moscow to the most corrupt institution in Russia. 
And I remember I couldn't get a message and I was crying and I actually wept. All of a sudden the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And he said, for too long you have been praying and fasting for the wrong thing. These walls are not the kingdom of God. You need to pray and fast for the souls out there who are hungry for bread. You need to fast and pray and intercede for them and ask for bread for them. And he added, he said, he actually spoke to me and said, I've given you this building and I'll keep it. But stop praying for the building. Pray for the souls. The fear was gone just like that. I came on a Sunday morning and I told that to the church. Everybody got so excited. And when the court hearing in Moscow came, we won in the Supreme Court in Moscow. And everything, all the decisions that were against us were canceled. And now we we have this building. And all of that was through prayer. And we kept on praying. And the Lord taught us every month now, every month we have a three-day fast. And the church gets together and we pray and fast for the souls of the people of our city and for all over Siberia. That God will help us to reach the young and the old, the addicted and the intelligent ones so that we would have a great harvest. And I thank you for partnering with us and being a part of this great work. And I want to encourage you, keep praying for the people of Calgary because the Father's will The Father's will that no one should perish. The Father wants everyone to come to know the truth. He wants everyone to be saved. And if the church prays just like Jesus said. And puts Father's interests first above our own. He will do great work. And we will be so thrilled to see how he's saving people. And how... God moves around the world and how the church becomes very, very powerful institution on earth. Just like Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail. So thank you so much. God bless you, Pastor Ben. the opportunity for us to, as a church, think globally today. Uh, Think about being on mission, not only here in Calgary, but around the world. And as we think about how God is moving around the world, it stirs our hearts for what God desires to do here in our city. You know, one of the things that Ilya had shared in the first service was uh, there's a new law in Russia right now where, where you're not able to, you know, the law is that you can't invite People, you can't share the gospel with people in the sense you can't, you know, invite them and to join a church, and uh, so that's been heightened. But one of the things he shared with us, and uh, is the fact that through some of their connections, they were able to get permits for their congregation members to actually in their region, they have an official permit that says that they're allowed to share the gospel with people, <laughs> and it's just phenomenal. And so God has graced them to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, that really hit me like a ton of bricks. There's a couple things that hit me in the first service. The first one was that. And I just thought, you know what, Lord, we don't, we don't need an official government permit to share the gospel. How much more should we be sharing the gospel with people? 
as God enables us to. How much more should we have boldness? We don't have threats of prison camps and all you know these kinds of threats and mafia and all the things that come against the church and such vengeance. And it just lit a new fire in me. In fact, this last week our staff was away in Banff and we were being trained again uh, as a team about how we can be on mission, how we can share our faith personally. Starting in a few weeks, we're starting a whole new series called Reach and we want to enable and equip you uh, to, to be on mission in practical ways of, of helping you to share your faith with people. And you know, even just being in that environment last week, God did something in my heart, and we were just even out in the community this week, and I had the opportunity to share the Lord with a couple of people just in restaurants and different places, and, and uh, how much more should we be on mission? The other thing was, um, you know, we're, we're looking at a vision of revitalization and refreshing and reaching and, and, uh, and reproducing and even looking for, for land currently. We're trusting God for the future of this church because we believe that none should perish, that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, that we're about reaching the lost. We're not about buildings, we're about people. But we're stepping out in faith and trusting God, just like you guys are in Siberia. We're... And the neat thing is, too, our church, this church who started the Calgary Dream Center, helping people in addiction and recovery in our city and, and helping people get you know, off the streets. And There's a very similar ministry in, in Siberia. So there's a real kind of like-heartedness in our mission. We're about reaching people. We're trusting God, and we're trying to impact the city and reach as many people as we can. And we're, we're reaching out to not just the down and out of society, but the up and out. God has given uh, Ilya and Janet incredible favor with, with politicians and business people in their city and athletes and different things. And so we believe it's a very similar kind of DNA that God has knit us together in. And so this morning we have an opportunity, as I mentioned, to, to sow uh, into this global work, into our partnership in Russia. And this is an opportunity, something that we get to do. And, and I believe that as we do this, that God is going to enable tens of thousands of people to hear the gospel. And as we do this, it's not only going to ripple in Russia, but it's going to happen in our city. I believe that it, it all works together in God's kingdom. And we can help each other. We can pray for each other. And so, as was mentioned, uh, I'm going to be heading with, with a team, uh, some people from, from this congregation, to, to go and to serve at this Pastors and Leaders Church Planting Conference in May. And so we want to be able to sponsor this conference. And we want to be able to enable these pastors and leaders to be able to come and uh, to, from all around the region to, to be trained up as leaders and pastors and, and to be sent out equipped and encouraged. And, and uh, we're excited about partnering with that. And so we have a goal today to raise $10,000 to help sponsor this, this conference. And I believe that God is going to enable us to not only meet that goal, but to exceed that goal so that we can continue to be on mission around the globe. And that's what we're talking about today. And so we're going we're gonna to look to meet that goal and then exceed it in our, in our missions because we have missions that happen all around the globe and we want to be a part of that together today. So I would just encourage you just to prepare for that. There's different ways that you can, you can give. You can text uh, if you'd like to. There's a number up there. You can, and just put on your memo, just put either missions or put Russia if you like and, and that we'll know that... Uh, that that gift is going today towards sponsoring this church planting conference in May and enabling um, our friends and partners to be on mission. And so we want to give you an opportunity to do that. Why don't we just pray uh, today? There's no pressure to give today, but it's an opportunity for us to sew together. And I would encourage you to do that. I think we can all do something. 
Uh, even, if it's, even if it's just a little bit, I think we can all do something today towards uh, international missions. And so we want to give you that opportunity. So Father, today we just prepare our hearts and as we look at this opportunity, we, we get to be a part of what you're doing globally. We get to be a part of what you're doing around the world, Lord, that we're committed as a church to the mandate of reaching, of revitalizing, and reproducing ministry in Calgary and around the globe through church planting, through global missions. God, we thank you that you have called us to be a people on mission. And so, Lord, I pray today, Lord, that people would prepare, that you would speak to each heart and each life. God, we don't give under pressure or, or obligation, but we give today because we can and because we get to. And I pray, Lord, that you would take this seed and you, as it's sown, Lord, it would multiply that many, many souls would come to know you. And I pray that you would just bless this offering and bless the giver as we give for your kingdom in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 So you can give today as the ushers uh, bring by the, the opportunity for you to give. You can also give at the kiosk in the lobby. And um, Michael's just going to lead us as we, as we give. And we're going to pray just in a moment and dismiss. So just worship together with, with us.